Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. The effect of alcohol on us as an alcoholic changes over time. Joe and Charlie are going to discuss a little bit about the feeling that you get. I think they'll touch a little bit on the medical, which we only understand from the doctor's opinion. I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you the uh, medical terminology. I can't tell you how it breaks down and does all the changes in our body versus those of regular people. But I can tell you that the effect changes over time. When I was younger, there was alcohol in the family. It was around a lot, and occasionally I'd steal a sip of beer. But it wasn't raging alcoholism, as I've seen or heard in the rooms. It was just moderate, come home from work and have a couple of drinks. Or maybe Grandma drank a little bit too much, I can't quite remember. But I can tell you from personal experience that where I thought I was going to be a drinker who kind of like a fine bottle of wine just mellowed with age, I turned into a raging alcoholic in the end of my career. And that's what it was, it was a drinking career. I put time and effort and I spent time away from family so that I could drink. And those are the qualifications of a career. And that's what the effect of alcohol did to me. It made me want to do it more and more and more. Let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to say about the effect of alcohol. Now today I've learned, I've learned that their reaction is normal. My reaction is abnormal. You see, alcohol is a sedative drug. And for most people who drink alcohol, it begins to sedate the brain. And even though they get a comfortable, relaxing feeling in just a little bit, they begin to get a slightly tipsy, out-of-control feeling. That's what alcohol is supposed to do to the brain. Now, one person out of ten that drinks it, they don't get that slightly tipsy, out-of-control feeling. One person out of ten gets an exciting, in-control feeling. The first two drinks of alcohol for us, for them it's a depressant, for us it's an upper. That first couple of drinks. And God, what a great feeling that is. So I react different mentally entirely. Now also these normal social drinkers tell me this. They say after we've had those two drinks, they said we begin to feel nauseous and begin to want to vomit. And they said we don't like that feeling either. So therefore a couple of drinks is all we want to drink. How many of you have tried to get them to drink and their answer is this, oh no, I already feel this. Or I'm getting dizzy. Or no, I'm getting sick. That's what alcohol is supposed to do to the body. I found out that alcohol is a destroyer of human tissue. And when you put anything in the body that's going to destroy it, the mind and body works together and the result is nausea, puke it up, vomit it out, get it out of here before it hurts you. My body doesn't do that at all. When that stuff goes into my body, my body produces an actual physical craving that says, give me some more of the same. Theirs says, puke it up. Mine says, put some more in here. And that physical craving is so strong that it overcomes the ability of the mind to stop me after I've once started, and I've got to have another drink and another drink and another drink and another drink. I react entirely different, entirely abnormally, not only mentally, but also physically. That's what Dr. Silkworth told us. That's what we discovered from Dr. Silkworth. That's what the allergy is, an abnormal reaction to any food, beverage, or substance of any kind. My mother-in-law, when she drinks, she takes two or three drinks and she wants to go to sleep. I take two or three drinks and I want to go to town. 
<laughs> you get in trouble going to town. <laughs> An idea. Now over on Roman numeral 26, first paragraph. I said, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. I used to call me a chronic alcoholic all the time. I just hated that word. I know what it means today. Chronic means doing something over and over and over again. That's what I was doing. That the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use the alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Here he brings in this term, phenomenon of craving. Now he uses the word phenomenon because he didn't understand it. He said the manifestation of our allergy is the actual physical craving that's developed in the body after we've had a couple of drinks. He referred to it as the phenomenon of craving because he didn't understand why it occurred. Now the allergy to strawberries, you can see it. That's a rash. To milk, you can see it. That's dysentery. To ragweed, you can see it. That's itchy, watery, watery eyes and sneezing. But the allergy to alcohol, you cannot see it. You can only feel it. And it's an actual physical craving that develops in the body after we've had a couple of drinks and only alcoholics feel it. Non-alcoholics never crave alcohol. Now this is another word we've got to be very careful with. I hear people come in AA, they say, I was in AA four years and I craved a drink every day. Well, that's the normal use of that word. But in the context of the big book, it's the wrong use of that word. In the context of the big book, anytime you see the word craving, it's referring to the body, not the mind. And the only way you and I can crave it is to first put it in the system. Then the physical craving develops, and then we can't stop. That's the manifestation, is the physical craving. And only we feel it. Non-alcoholics never feel it. And nobody can see it. You can only feel it. Now, he's going to talk about five different kinds of drinkers on Roman numeral 28. And then as all textbook does, it will repeat itself and drive this point home again time after time after time. Let's look at the five drinkers. Bill's going to describe five different types of alcoholics. Now, there's as many different types of alcoholics as there are in this room tonight, you see. When I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, it seemed to me like they were talking about 149 car wrecks and 29 divorces in jail 150 times. That's all I could hear. And I said I hadn't done all of those things yet. So therefore, I must not be alcoholic. But those things have nothing to do with alcoholism, really. has absolutely nothing to do. That's just some of the things that happened to some of the people along the way. That just didn't happen to me. But once I start to drink, I crave more. And that makes me an alcoholic. And he's going to describe five different types of alcoholics here. And he craves more, not in the mind, but in the body. body. He said, the classification of alcoholics seems most difficult. And in much detail is outside the scope of this book. There are, of course, the psychopaths who are emotionally unstable. We're all familiar with this type. They're always going on the wagons for keeps. They are over-remorseful and make many resolutions, but never a decision. We call that type one. There is a type of man who is unwilling to admit that he cannot take a drink. He plans various ways of drinking. He changes his brand or his environment. That's type two. 
There is a type who always believes that after being entirely free from alcohol for a period of time, he can take a drink without danger. Type 3. There is a manic depressive type who is perhaps the least understood by his friends and about whom a whole chapter could be written. Type 4. I always thought I was the next one at type 5. Then there are types, entirely normal in every respect, except in the effect alcohol has upon them. They are often able, intelligent, and friendly people. <laughs> the only place you ever hear those kind of words in Alcoholics Anonymous, believe me. Now he makes his point. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy, which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been, by any treatment with which we are familiar, permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Now, I think what he said is this. If all we alcoholics in this room tonight should take a drink, God forbid that happened. But if we did, we would not all react the same. And just a little bit, one of us would be crying in her beer. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo, the world not treating me right. And just a little bit, one of us would be right up on top of one of these tables, hooping, hollering, dancing, cutting up, having a hell of a good time. And just a little bit, there'll be two over in the corner getting in a fight, just sure as anything. Look in the other corner, there'll be two of us over there, one putting the make on the other. We tend to do that also when we drink. We would do many different things, but if we're real alcoholic, there's one thing that every one of us would do we would start looking for a second drink. The physical allergy is taken over. The phenomenon of craving is developed, and we can't stop, and we look for a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and on and on till we're drunk, sick, and in all kinds of trouble. Now, it doesn't make any difference whether we're born with that or whether we drink ourselves into it. I was born with it. First drink I ever had led to two, three, four, six, eight, and ten. Joe drank for years before he got into that. But the important thing is... That's the way we are tonight. And I know that's the way we are tonight, or we wouldn't be in this room tonight. If you and I could drink without getting drunk, you know where we'd be? Well, we'd be out there drinking without getting drunk. We wouldn't be sitting in this AA room. That's right. That's what we have in common in AA. Nor does it make any difference how long it takes us to get drunk. Now, some people, this thing, this, this allergy is so strong. Me, for instance, if I take a drink right now at 9.30, I'll guarantee you by midnight, I found a policeman and I'm in jail somewhere. Some of you might have one or two tonight, three or four tomorrow night, four or five the next night, and it may take you a week to find your policeman and get in jail. But what difference does it make? The first drink is what triggers that craving, and that overcomes the ability of the mind to control well, how much we're going to drink, and every time we end up drunk, sick, and in all kinds of trouble. That's what we've got in common in AA. doesn't make any difference how old we are, how young we are, male, female, black, white. None of those things count at all. The only thing that's really important is that we all have the physical allergy to alcohol. We owe that to Dr. Silkworth. So what happens when you start experiencing the cause and effect of alcohol. Well, you get a case of the yets. The yets are just what they sound like. Yet to get a DUI. Yet to get another night in jail. Yet to get all my stuff put out on the porch and told not to come home. The cause and effect of alcohol on alcoholics is different. It makes us do everything and anything to get that next drink, or do that next stupid thing, 
because we don't care. I did not care. I should. How I affected other people, how I interacted, how I did things, I did not care about the effect that the cause of my alcoholic drinking was doing. Now, it didn't start out this way. I believe that when I was younger, and I think that uh, if you ask almost any other alcoholic, you'll agree, if you ask them when they were younger, what was that like? What was that first drink like? What was that first experience of a mixed drink like? And I can say it's not quite the beer commercials, but as I mentioned in the prologue, there's a time I remember when my father would say, go get a beer, and I would crack it open, and I would take a sip, and I didn't like the taste, but that was okay. I was doing man things. Or we'd be out camping, and dad would take a half a case or a case of beer for the weekend, depending on the holiday, and he'd be like, go get a beer after we'd put up the tents and started the fire. And I'd crack one open, and I'd take a bigger sip, and I felt like a man. So those were great memories, and those were times that made me think that, okay, I can handle alcohol. But then I look at the cause and the effect. I look at the long term. And like anyone who has this disease, and as was mentioned by Joe and Charlie, after that first drink, the manifestation changed. The manifestation in most people of taking one or two drinks is to enjoy the rush, enjoy the sleepy feeling, and feel that they can have drink of water after that, or they can go do something else. In my case, all I wanted was more and more and more. Now, I will say I was an overachiever as a child on the swim team. I was first in the water, last out. When in sales, I always wanted to be top of the board. So maybe this was a manifestation. Maybe this was a cause and effect of my personality. I don't know. But I do know that when they talk about the five different types of alcoholics, I thought I was number five. Hey, I'm a great guy. I'm a lot of fun. Everybody loves when I'm around. In hindsight, it's quite obvious that they only liked the buying the drinks part. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive Joe and Charlie podcast.